0: motivation goal setting and anchoring all this and more right now the remarkable people podcast check it out the remarkable people
1: podcast listen do
0: repeat for life Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Today's guest is a marketing specialist, an engineer, a serial entrepreneur, an author, a coach, and so much more. He's going to teach us about motivation. He's going to talk about anchoring. He's going to talk about a ton of practical life and professional tips and topics that you can start applying today. There's even a walkthrough tutorial of how to do it where he uses me as your guinea pig, right? And it seriously helps. So get your pens and paper out, get ready for a remarkable episode of the podcast, the John Morley story. (laughs) Hey, John, how are you today, brother? I am great, David. It is
1: wonderful to be here today.
0: Oh, I'm Looking forward to this interview, I just told the listeners a little bit about you in this episode, so they know what to expect. So man, let's just jump into your life. Where were you born? What was your family upbringing like? And like our listeners know, we always discover that because our background forms so much of who we are today, the good, the bad and the ugly. So we're just going to chronologically right through your life. So john c morley where are you from what was childhood like
1: so i was born in new jersey and for me childhood was interesting i had a great childhood when i was only in i'm going to tell you second or third grade it was right around second grade i had my first tribulation i went it was thanksgiving night and went to a hospital to see my uh, father's uh, father. And again, I wasn't that old at the time. And I said to my grandmother, can I go see grandpa? And she's, oh, no, no, no. He he can't see you right now. He's busy. Okay. And I really wanted to see him. And so waiting there an hour comes back and forth and they didn't want me to go see him. And so I think it was about 10 minutes to nine and then visiting hours ended about nine o'clock. So about five after nine, 10 after nine, my grandmother came down and I said, how's grandpa? And she said, oh, he's fine. He left right now, he's tired, right? Well, no, he, he kind of went to a farm for a little while. Oh, well, that's okay. I said, when will he be back? Well, he kind of left us for how long? And I didn't gather this and she like, I said, well, grandpa kind of died died? Yeah, he died. And so just as I had a moment to breathe on that, my grandfather and I both love chocolate and sweets. So my grandmother reached into a purse and she says, you know, grandpa had this you and he wanted you to have it. I said, what is it? She says, it's a turkey that was actually stuck into his chocolate cupcake that he got with his dessert tonight for dinner. And I still have that little plastic... Turkey that was put in the cupcake, and uh, then only in eighth grade, my other grandfather died. But so that was kind of the tribulations, but had a great life, and uh, I grew up very fast. When I was only in second grade, my parents decided that I guess it was time for my mom, she wanted to go in business, so they opened up a dry cleaning plant. Our family had been three generations in the business, didn't know this, and uh, when I learned about this because I really didn't learn about it until I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. By that time, I was automating the store with our first touchscreen operation system. By the time I was in high school, I was managing the operation. I was then, by the time I'm in college, one of the head people that basically ran the store, opened, closed, did everything. And I was hiring and firing people. And I was just about a freshman in college. So I was somebody, David, that was no stranger to responsibility or accountability. And uh, my parents would always say to me, oh, John, what do you want to do? I said, I want to work. I, w- I want to finish what we need to do. I want to you know, make money. Well, you want to go out with your friends? Nah, I'll do that next week. Well, I, I want to work on this. We're really busy right now. Tomorrow's going to be a, ho- got a holiday this week. So I was very focused on business. And so when I went into college... I knew that I didn't want to work for anybody. I also knew that I didn't want my parents' business because I didn't want to be in retail. Working at a dry clean plant was not an easy challenge. I mean, you know, being there and having somebody come in and tell you that you didn't clean their shirt right and them telling you that you didn't clean their red shirt and then you look at the computer and you see, well, they bought a blue shirt and you tell them the shirt was blue and they said, well, that's because the person who took it in was colorblind. I said, well, let's see who took it in. I said, oh, Sean, I took it in. Oh, well, you're colorblind. I said, I'm not colorblind. And I remember saying to my dad about what happened. He says, you know, John, he says, I would have threw the guy the heck out of the store. He says, you were kind to him. He brings my, my dad comes up front and he says, you know what? He says, I'd be grateful that my son's taking care of you because when he has enough of you, trust me, I'll throw you so far. You won't even know what hit you. So I do the shirt for him one more time. And I said, if you come back again and you pull this nonsense, we're going to throw you out. And this was one of these people that, you know, they try to get things for nothing. You know, these people.
0: 100%, and so, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I, I realized that I didn't want to stay in that business. They sold that business in, I think it was around nine, 2004, something like that. Again, I was in college when I, well, I graduated college in 19, 1994.
0: Now, before you uh, go on, did you have yeah. any brothers or sisters? Were you Zero. Only, chi- only child? Only child. Okay. I just want to make sure we frame that. So you had a lot of responsibility, a lot of attention and focus. Your parents, you know, two on one instead of the reverse, four on two. So you had a great childhood. You had your grandparents, but you worked and you stayed focused.
1: I did. I did. And, you know, I remember, you know, one of the caveats you know, you can invite it to these parties, whether it's a birthday party or a Sweet 16 or bar, whatever it is. You can invite it to all these parties. And usually at that time, they were roller skating parties or there were ice skating parties or they were some other types of outdoor events or they were movies or or something like that. And I remember how my parents were tough on me. And I was a great student, but I remember, you know, the challenges sometimes when I might have had an issue with a class or something. And I remember that because of that, or because of something maybe I did wrong, my punishment was not to go to that party. And to, to, you know, to not be able to go to that party was a big deal for me. And so, because remember, I didn't get out to go to a lot of parties. And the thing that was very interesting in my childhood is that I realized that I could have anything I want if I worked for it and I set my mind to it at, at a very young age. When I was in college, I realized that I wanted to be in my own business. I didn't know what a business owner was. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I didn't know what a serial entrepreneur was, because those are all paths of life. And I remember being in college. It was my, I think, my sophomore junior year. I decided I'm going to start this company, which was the beginning formation of J-Moore, JCM and Sun Associates. And I started this little company unofficially. And I charged people, David, $5 for basically a phone consult. Didn't matter how long it was. And $10 for an in-person consult. Now, well, that's not $10 per hour. That's $10 to fix your problem. I remember this one kid called me to come out there and help him fix some problem with his computer. I took a look at it and I'll, I'll call Mike. That was his name. I said, Mike, what's going on? He says, oh, I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? He says, I can't play Dungeons and Dragons. So I look at him and I was like, So you're having me come over here to waste my time to fix a problem because you can't play a game. No, it's not just any game, John. It's Dungeons and Dragons, like, level 24. I'm like, all right. I said, it's going to be $10. He says, oh, okay, no problem. Per hour, I said, no, just $10. So I look at the problem. I said, this is going to, man, this is going to be a little challenge. It's going to take me some time. I'm not going to finish this tonight. And I said, we both have class tomorrow. It's already 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Let me come back here on the weekend and let me fix this. I'll come like 10 o'clock, maybe on Saturday morning, and I can go through this a little deeper. So I come back 10 o'clock in the morning that Saturday. I spent about two to four hours. First hour, I'm like, oh, I know what's wrong. There was something called DOS, Disk Operating System. Yep. And I know what the issue is you're running a DOS program. That's a game in a Windows environment, that time Windows 3.11, and all the DOS drivers have to load before the Windows drivers. And I loaded, there there was something called contiguous space. And contiguous space means that it's as close to it can be without taking up any more room. So it's like butt together. And so I moved a lot of things around in memory, like there were mouse drivers, there were sound drivers, there were... Memory enhancer drivers, there was disk drivers. Now you didn't need all this for Windows, but when you played a DOS game, a lot of the stuff you needed. You had TSRs, terminate state resident programs, you had antivirus programs, and you only had 640k of memory. That's all you got. You couldn't have any more. And the DOS programs could not take advantage of the extended memory. You know, basically the one, the two meg, three meg, four megs. Now we have gigs. They couldn't take advantage of that. So when this, this program that he needed, let's say, needed, I don't know, the 640K of memory, and this program needed 250 megs of, of memory, but it had to be conventional memory. So I had to move things around, which took me quite a few hours. When I got done with it, he tested it out. He was like, no, wait, wait, wait. It always crashed. I said, no, go play. So meanwhile, he made me a pizza. I'm eating a, a Thomas's English muffins pizza. And really enjoying it. And he's going to the game. He says, No, you gotta wait. He says, "Uh, it's not fixed yet. Let me get to level whatever. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm eating the pizzas. Like, can I go yet? "No, No, I didn't get to level 12 yet. Gets to level 12, finally a half hour later. Then he gets to level 13, then he's like 14. He's like, it didn't crash. I said, Of course it didn't crash. He's like, What do I owe you, man? You're amazing. I said, $10. $10 times how much? I said, $10. That's it you just owe me $10. Wow. So at that point, I wasn't doing it for money. I remember professors in my college, they'll be asking me, John, I need your help. But listen, we need to keep this on the down low. Like, I don't want any of the students or any of the faculty to know that you're helping me. How much are you charging me to fix the problem? I said, professor, it says $10. He's like, what? I said, it's $10. Oh, okay. But you'll keep this between us, right? You're not going to, I said, It'll be our secret. No problem. So uh, this is somebody that I'm in class with, somebody that has this ego, which I always say, David, there's no room for egos. And after I started helping him, I didn't say anything about the fact that I was helping him. Whenever he got smug in class, I just said, professor, or should I say doctor? I said, you know, some of us are talented in some areas. And some people can't even reset a password. (laughs) And I wasn't talking. I didn't, nobody knew that I was talking about him. I think I said some, I said some people in our world can't even reset a password. And, and the students never gathered. I was talking about, he knew what I was talking about. At that moment says, all right, John, I think you've made your point. Let's go on to chapter four and let's talk about procedures. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about procedures and, see how we can write one, maybe to reset a password that somebody forgot. Nice. Let's, and, and he just kind of like, and, and after that point, he wasn't my friend, but he kind of like laid off a little bit. When I graduated, I went back to him, doctor, whatever his name was. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, why were you such a prick to me? He's well, John, he said, it was nothing personal. I was just trying to push you. I said, yeah, but you were actually demotivating me. And you were making me get aggressive to one of, he said, well, then I I succeeded. I said, yeah, but it was a very bad way to motivate me. Very bad way. And I remember weekends we would take and he would give a program or an assignment. I said, you just love to screw up my social life, don't you? I had plans this weekend. Now I got to dick around with the computer to figure out what a linked list is. And this is one thing I learned in college. A linked list, by the way, is a part of its memory. And it's when memory gets dynamically allocated as opposed to being allocated already before the program runs. And so, if you don't read, if you don't initialize your variables, your linked list before you use it, your program's going to crash. That took me an entire weekend to figure that out. I will never make that mistake again.
0: And that's but, a great life lesson as our first stopping and talking point that we can sure. learn from. I mean, how would you relate that to all of our lives as listeners? Because if we don't have that foundation set right, that link list, things crash, right?
1: Yes, exactly. And this gets on to something of why I got a motivation, but I'll get there later. What I can relate this to is the fact that in our lives, let's say you wanted to become, I don't know, you want to become a, a chemist. I don't know if you're a chemist or not, but let's say you want to be a chemist, but you're not a chemist. And and, and you're coming to me so I could teach you chemistry. My mom's a chemical engineer. She stopped when she had me. And the first thing I need to do is I need to teach you chemistry. But you hate chemistry. But yet you want to learn it. So I got to figure out, David, what's your foundation? What makes David tick? I happen to know that you like to mess around with the guys and you like to mix paint. I know that you also like to make things in the kitchen, like these sweet desserts that are very low-cal, not really. And so <laughs> I know that you like to mix things. So now I'm like, okay, David likes to mix things. So what I'll do is I'll start comparing that. All right, so David, when we think about chemistry, it's very similar to mixing paint or mixing food for a recipe. You just can't eat it, somewhere to paint. So when you have to have the right ingredients, the right amount, You have to make sure you mix it properly. Only we use different things like beakers instead of measuring cups. There's different things we use, but you're still mixing. And the other difference is that if you put things in the wrong order, like we always add, uh, you know, acid to a base, they're a base to an acid, you can have a minor explosion. And we work with things like the periodic table. In food, if you get something wrong, well, it's just going to smell bad and taste bad, but you're not going to probably call the fire department or have a, you know, a major casualty. So you can see, David, that being a chemist isn't really hard. So let's start making our own little experiment. Let's see how we can mix different liquids together and build it. And so as I start to understand, I start to cement something to what you already know. You're like, oh yeah, John, I get it. Yes, you do. And so you can learn anything once you have a have a good foundation. You could never build a house by starting with the roof. I don't think you can got to start with the foundation (laughs) and then you could build upon it. Many people want to become something, but they don't take the time or their teacher, the professor or their coach doesn't take the time to say, Hey, what do you know already? Like, what's that like in your life? And how do we compare that? Maybe it's something as simple as losing weight. Oh, I can't lose weight. Okay. Well, what else have you lost in your life? Oh, I've lost at games. I've always lost Playing with my brother when we played Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so how'd you feel when you played Dungeons and Dragons? Really crappy, right? Okay, so now you know what it's like to do that. Let's compare that to the same thing you're trying to do. And so you feel really crappy about it, right? What happened when you actually started to play better? You felt great, right? So what you're doing with the weight is you're feeling crappy and you're accepting that it's okay to feel crappy. And then for whatever reason, you're being enticed because we only do things in life for two reasons, to avoid pain and gain pleasure. That's why hospitals are so busy in life. And so you're actually saying to me, John, I'd rather eat because it's more painful for me not to eat because you've trained your body that way. We need to break your habit. So you can reprogram those programs that either you, your friend, your parents, or other people in your life put there. And they run on autopilot, David. And this is the reason why people don't become successful.
0: And let's continue. I want to definitely explore that. So do you want to continue with your life story from that moment in college through today sure, or do you want to park a minute and explain that reprogramming
1: no i'll i'll I'll, uh, i'll i'll go from when i graduated i was actually asked to our school was a suitcase school and so that meant everybody kind of went home or they were in fraternities for the weekend and i always went for school but in my senior year I kind of stayed up at school more because there was a lot of stuff I had to get done. And a lot in your senior year, especially your, your your first semester. There was a lot of crap you had to get done. And what was your formal degree in at that point? So
0: computer science and engineering. Okay. It, both double major or computer science Well, it, it's really
1: engineering, but I did a lot of computer science.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Because I, okay. I did a lot
1: of programming and, and stuff like that. So I remember being in college and I remember always not being, not happy, but basically saying to myself, gee, I didn't get that. I didn't get what I wanted. And I just learned to accept it, David. And so this was different from me living at home because I always got what I wanted. But when I was on my own, things didn't sort of go the way I wanted them to. It's like things couldn't be controlled in the way I wanted. So now I was in like this big world. I wasn't in this protective world anymore, which was good, but I learned that life was easy before. That was good and that was bad. So now I was vice president of the finance committee for student association and everybody befriended me, even people that hated me because they knew I could put money back into their bank account so they could spend money for their student association account for that year. Because every year the money went away. But to just to fast forward, they said, John, would you do us a favor and just bring two checks to our entertainer this weekend? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. I said, I said, how much is it? Oh, we already got the checks cut. Don't worry. They're already approved. I said, how much? Well, they're just two checks, two small checks. Okay, how much? Well, they're 20, 40000 20000 each check. I said, how much? $40,000 It's a three-hour presentation. You'll give them $120,000 in the beginning and $120,000 at the end. I said, who approved this? Oh, it's all been approved. Don't worry about it. So my head starts spinning. Who is this guy like? Why are we paying him $40,000 for three hours? I, I'm not, I'm missing something here. And so I do some digging on him. And I said, aha, I know what he does. So we come up to the, uh, the event. He was a stage hypnotist. Came up to him and I said, uh, I'll call him Brian. That's not his name. Mr. Brian, I said, uh, Mr. Brian, I called by his whole full name. I said, pleasure to be with you. I said, I want to be very honest with you. I've done my homework on you. I know who you are. I know the good, I know the bad about you. And I know how you play your game and I know how you run your show. So let me be very clear with you. I'm gonna give you this first check for $20,000 that's signed. This check will cash providing that you don't embarrass me. You don't call me up on stage and try to get me to fall into a lemon. You don't embarrass any administrative team. You can do whatever you want to the rest of the students but you better not touch me or ain't this administrative row or so help me. This check will bounce so high, you won't even see it when it leaves the planet. And not only that, the second check that you think you're getting, you're never getting it. Oh, and if that's not enough for you, we're all friends with Harvard, Yale and all the other schools that I know you're going to. You're magically gonna have some cancellations. In fact, I am estimate by next Friday, you'll probably have no schools left to tour. Do I make myself clear? Yes. Great. Well, listen, I don't want to interrupt you. I want you to have a great show. I can't wait. So I sit in the audience after the show happens, come up to him and I hand him the second check. I said, you know, what a really professional show. It was an honor to be in your audience. He said, well, thank you, sir. I said, I'm going to recommend to our administration that, that we put some more money into your budget for next year. So then I started realizing that he, he kind of engaged me. In a way that made me curious about what he was doing. So I bought one of his audio tapes. Then I took the Silva method. Then I realized there had to be more than just what I saw. I like to call it the tip of the iceberg. We all see this, but we never hear about the work or everything that kind of brings things to the top. We never see that. So I said to myself, self, I graduated college. I want to go back to my bachelor's in education. And I also want to go back and get my degree in hypnosis and also get certified neuro-linguistic programming. After I did that, I realized that it was time to start putting this to use. And so the lesson I want to share with you is everyone said to me, John, you can't, you can't, you can't, you'll never do this. You're never going to make money. You'll never get this car. You're never going to, never, never, to never, never. You're never going to get all this stuff. I said, okay. So I uh, went to the car dealership when I uh, graduated. At that time, I think I was driving... A Cherokee Limited, which was a nice car, but I wanted something. I considered it a little more luxury. So I uh, went to the dealership, drove the test car, played with the nav, did all this great stuff. And I remember the salespeople there saying, "Are you ready?" I said, "I'm not going to be doing anything probably for six months. I'm just researching." So they kind of didn't take me seriously. I came back a week or two later. I went for the manager. I said, is there anybody in your establishment that's actually going to take somebody my age seriously? So what I mean? I said, well, all these people that you hire out of college, they seem to have this chipper and attitude on their shoulder because I'm not willing to buy the car today. And he said, no, no, we'll do whatever you want. We'll... So long story short, that car wound up in my driveway in six months when everyone said I couldn't have that car. So you're probably wondering, how did that car show up in my driveway? I'm still wondering. No, but I I know how it happened. So what I did was every night, I first of all, I took a picture of that car. When I was in the car, I felt it. I experienced it. I lived that car when I was in it. Came home, put it on my iPhone, put it on my computer as my screensaver, my backdrop. Every night, I would close my eyes and meditate. And I would get into my proverbial car. I'd start the engine. I would hear it. And I would take a little 15 or 20 minute test drive in my brand new car and just feel so great about it. And being thankful and grateful that I already have the car. It's here. I just don't see it yet, but I already have it. And that started to push me, David, into the way of understanding that my mind's pretty powerful. The problem is most people don't exercise their mind enough. Their mind's like a muscle. And if you don't exercise it, it's not going to work for you. So a lot of people say, oh, I tried that. It didn't work. I, a few years ago, decided that I wanted to build a new center. But before I did that, I said, how do I get rid of this advertising and marketing company that's ripped me off, doesn't know what they're doing? How do I fire them? Everybody says, John, you're never going to be a marketing expert. You're never going to make a lot of money. You're never going to do. You're never going to, never going to, never going to, never going to, never going And I said, let me look at something for a moment. All these people that have told me that I'm never going to do anything, not that I want to judge, but where are these people today? Let's see. One's out of a job. One's working for UPS. Another one is uh, working part-time at Walmart. And another one is working a dead-end nine-to-five job making a nice salary, but he has no life. He's married to a job and he can't go to the bathroom without getting permission pretty much in in a sense. So I said, I don't want to be like that. I want to have a creative life that I can have abundance and I can do what I want to do, what I want to do, and as long as I don't harm, hurt anyone else. And so I said, I want to be a marketing company, but I don't know how to do it. So the first thing I need to do is figure out what this company did wrong. And the first thing they did is they lied to me. They told me they printed things and they didn't even have their own print shop. I said, maybe I should start there. Maybe I should figure out, how do I become a mom and pop print shop? Let me call Xerox, who we're already a client of. Hey guys, how do I become a mom and pop print shop? Oh, John, they had me come out, lunch, dinner, all that stuff. It's be 150. I take out my wallet, dave and I give him 150. No, 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 John. 150,000. You said 150. No, 150,000. Well, you didn't say 150. You just said 150. Well, we were talking in thousands. So, long story short, I go get a bank loan. And my bank said yes. I said, Oh my gosh, Dave, what am I going to do? The bank said yes. This isn't your bank supposed to say no when you have these crazy ideas. My bank said, no, I said, maybe I've got to get another bank. My bank said, yes, something's wrong. Like, now I'm checking myself, like, what am I going to do? I said, I got to go through with this crazy idea. So uh, they give me the 150. But I started to start being entrepreneurial. So first, you start as a business owner, and you learn the ways of the business. An entrepreneur is someone that has a passion for the business. And a serial entrepreneur is somebody who starts another business to help that business and the original business or other businesses you have. So I went to the the company Xerox and I said, you know, guys, I got some good news and bad news. The good news is I was approved for the loan. The bad news is because of my credit and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, they only gave me 130,000. I said, I'm really sorry. Listen, what do I owe you for the dinner? I I feel terrible. I knew what I was doing. John, John, hang on. How much did you get? I said, I got 130. Hang on, sit down. I said, I told you, I, I, I can't afford the 150. I just, I couldn't get it. John, just, just have a seat. You want water? You want a brownie? I don't want anything. He sits down. He runs into his manager's office like a little kid. He comes back out. He's all smiling. I said, why are you so happy? I only have $130,000. He says, John, you're not going to believe it. I guess not. Try me. The manufacturer is actually giving, yeah, a $20,000 rebate, including taxes with training all included for the machine you're looking at or anything higher for the next two weeks. I said, so you're saying, oh, it's going to cost one hundred thirty. dollars th-? He says, you're set, buddy. You're all set. So I sign on the dotted line. I get the machine, I go through fiery training, which I had no idea what fiery training is. But basically, fiery is a special type of instruments. And so it's called, you know, they, they basically, you might have heard it be called, it's called EFI. And so EFI basically stands for Electronics for Imaging. I had no idea what fiery, if I meant, but long story short, it basically makes sure the colors come out good this time and a million times from now. And then I decided I need to build a new production center. I started thinking about the center. The center got finished a year or two ago and I'm sitting in it and I'm like, this is strange. This looks very similar to what I was envisioning. Like, this is like too close. Like everything is like, almost exactly the same like i've been in this i was i've been in this place before i've been here but i can't be because it's the first time i was here i'm like i've been in this office before but it was only the first time i walked in so it got really surreal for me david that my mind has a lot of power the mind and gratitude have a lot of power to bring about what we want to achieve which is our passions if we focus on our thoughts right Energy is going to flow where our thoughts go. That's inevitable.
0: Now, once this happened, what was the timeline from when you signed that contract to when you got things up and running?
1: So that contract was signed. The machine was delivered within two weeks. That same week, my 40-hour training of the machine started. And then I hired my first graphic design person. Again, I'm not a graphic designer, but I've slowly gotten to understand graphic design and know how it works and got into marketing when everyone around me said, John, you're never going to be a marketing expert. I have people with marketing master's degrees, John, you don't have what it takes. You're a great engineer, but you're never going to be a marketer. And I said, oh, okay, I guess I'm not going to be a marketer. And then the next thing that happened was I realized I needed to build a center for my marketing. I call it a print production graphic me and digital design center. My whole thing is that we do everything in-house. We don't send a blessed thing out. And that was one thing I like to hang, no
0: pun intended, on my hat on. <laughs> because. And if you're, wa- if you're listening to this, he just held up a hat that says believe and achieve.
1: So the reason I say that is that before you can actually achieve anything in your life, I don't care if it's getting a car, a new relationship, uh, maybe it's mending a broken fence with uh, an ex if you wanna get back with them or a friend, you have to first believe it and then you'll achieve it. Claude Bristol Myers said something a long, long time ago. Believing, achieving is magic. And you all know Henry Ford. He said something also very wise. If you believe you can't, you're right. And if you believe you can, you're also right. So then why is it that our world is not believing? Are they lazy? No. They've been programmed to believe that it's not going to happen. I remember, David, maybe about five or six years ago, I took over a chamber of commerce in my town here in Franklin Lakes, And I made a 501c3, a charity. And I remember going to one of the head people in town and they're always being a little bit, let's say daunting about me because they know I don't pull any punches. Like, I mean, I'm gonna get what I need done. And if you're in my way, well, you better move because I'm coming through. And I remember him asking me, can you meet with me sometime? I thought he was gonna take me to lunch. That wasn't what he wanted to do. So I know how he's always been to me. So I said, you know what? Yeah, sure, I can meet with you. Today was Monday, I can meet with you Friday at nine or next Monday at three 30. He's like, that's the first availability. I said, yeah, I said, if you wanna try me next week i probably have some availability next month. My schedule's starting to fill up. No, no, we'll, we'll take the Friday. Okay, great. So I go to see him and he says to me, John, when are you gonna give up? When are you gonna realize that you're done? you know, in the campaign you created for us about shopping local, I said, yes. He said, it's a great campaign and we're launching it and you're not and nor is your chamber. So now I felt like somebody just hit me below the bell and I didn't know what to say, but I wanted to be professional. And he said to me, John, when are you just going to give up? When are you going to realize that, you know, you can't swim with the big fish? He's striking a chord here with me and I'm like, I don't like where he's going. So I'm like, how can I, how can I get some ground back without an ego? Cause that's what he has obviously. So I sat in his guest chair across from his desk and I said, you know, sir, I said, I'm going to tell you one I'm to give up. He says, I said, yes, give me a minute. I closed my eyes like this, David. I sit there for about three or four minutes. John, are you are you here? I said, yeah. I said, I'm thinking. Just give me a minute. Just another minute. I'm, I'm just. I just don't want to lie to you. I want to give you the exact hour, day, minute, and second that I'm officially going to give up. Just, just give me a minute. So I opened my eyes and I said, Sir, I've got it. He's getting real excited. I'm going to give up. So I guess when uh huh, a little baby boy uh huh, or a little baby girl. Uh-huh. tells their parents they don't want to walk anymore. He looks at me all kinds of funny things like like all these weird expressions. And he goes, when the blank is that? I said, well, let me ask you a question. You have two children, a boy and a girl, a girl who's just going to college and a gentleman who just graduated college last year. Am I correct? Yes. And let me ask you a question. Are both of them walking right now? Yes. I said, so when did either of them ever tell you or your wife that they don't want to learn to walk anymore? He gives me all kinds of crazy looks for a few minutes and he's just like really beside himself. He goes, never. I said, you know, sir, I always knew the moment I met you seven years ago, that you were a bright and intelligent man, and today, that when I asked that question, that you would answer it precisely with the correct answer the first time. <laughs> the time when I'm going to give up, sir, is never. You know what he said to me, David?
0: Probably that you were arrogant, punk. Something, something pro- projecting his self.
1: You're, you're right. Here's what he said John, you're arrogant. Now get the blank out of my office. I said, Sir, I'm more than happy to leave. I said, You know, I didn't come here for your help today. I came here with an olive branch, hoping we could work together. If you ever change, reach out to me. I know you and I will be cordial when we see each other in public. I wish you all the best. And he just went into a into this like trance, like what the happened? (laughs) And so why did I share that with you? Everyone, David wants to be liked. You like to be liked, I like to be liked. So I have a motto, like me, love me, or hate me, and I move on. And the reason I say that is because if everybody likes me, David, that's a big problem in life. And I learned this from this little thing because I was feeling bad that day that I wasn't liked. And I said, John, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I learned that if everybody likes you, you're not bringing your A game. And if you don't bring your A game to the table or definitely to the field, guess what? You're going to be benched. And pretty soon, you're going to be replaced. So if you want to be successful, You better be bringing it with your A game all the time or get off stage.
0: Yes. And that's a huge life lesson. If you're listening to John right now and you're not familiar with that kind of thinking, you're never going to please everybody. It's impossible. Jesus himself couldn't please everyone. And he even had one of his inner circle in the 12 betray him. So if you're yeah, looking yes. to get people to like you, it's not going to happen. Just get that out of your head. And John is talking about his life experiences and my life experiences. It's the same thing. When you're making progress, you're separating the wheat from the chafe. And you are going to get people hating on you, trying to set you up, talking bad about you, trying to discourage you, get you to quit. And really that's a great sign you're making progress. So keep listening to John and his story, forget the haters, forget the negativity, and just keep focusing on the goal God called you to do because the greatest men and women in history were also some of the greatest hated people. And you know, got Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, people who changed the world and they were not well liked by their peers. Abraham Lincoln, if you research it, he was elected president as a joke. He failed with everything in his life and he became one of the greatest figures in American history. Winston Churchill was put in that position by the king. Because he knew that Hitler hated him and he's the only one that would stand up to Hitler. So listen, you don't need to get Christmas cards from everybody, but you got to be moral (laughs) and do the right thing. I mean, am I talking truth or do you disagree?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's so important because everyone has this space in their head and they want to fill an ego. So I want to tell you right now, if you have that ego, leave it at the door. Because that ego is not going to get you success. It's going to get you stepped on and it's going to get you thrown to the curb.
0: Now 100%. So where does your life go from there? So so you where it goes community. from there, I'm,
1: I'm going to tell you. So, so where it goes from there is the chamber grew. And... Running your campaign
0: in, that they stole. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, but that's a typical changer, chamber president. I mean, a lot of these chambers great people but some of the presidents are just for profit
1: right so i'm president of a 501c3 this wasn't the president this was a head of an entire town that had this ego between me getting exposure we would do ribbon cuttings david and they didn't want to come they would even tell people in the town we had a little tobacco with the police department Now i'm also a first responder so obviously i'm not too bad of a guy and i remember them going to the police department i was helping a kid. I'm I'm an Eagle Scout for those of you who don't know. And I wanted to help this fellow Boy Scout who was doing an Eagle Scout project. His name was Michael. I helped him with a video, helped him raise some money, helped him get some equipment. He was gonna dig all these holes by hand and I got him some equipment rented and all donated. And we get to the place where he has to dig. And I say to Michael, I said, Michael, who told you you could dig here? Oh, the engineers do you have his name or a letter from him saying it? So he said, it's fine to dig. Did you call like the 1-800-DIG number? The what? Did you mark it? Anybody market? No, 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 no. They're, they said, it's all fine. I got DPW. I said, guys, I got a hypothetical for you. Let's say that me or Michael were just to dig down here with this pole post. I don't know, about three or four feet. What do you think would happen? Probably An explosion. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. There's a gas line. There's an electrical line. Michael, you're not digging. Oh, hell, he's not digging at all. I said, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, we're not letting him dig either. I said, okay. So now this message gets back to the head town people. They send somebody over here. And this guy comes over. I'll call him Tim. That's his name. And he says, John, he says, what the blank are you doing here? I said, I'm helping Michael. Well, first of all, this is not your project. It is not the Chamber's project. And you are not to be involved with this. So Michael asked me to help him. And that's what I'm doing. I said, do you know, Tim, I just saved you guys probably a million dollars worth of damage if he was to hit that. Well, see, see, this is something you shouldn't even be discussing. See, this is above your line. You're, you have no right being here. So now they decide they're going to call their, their attorney. And he's going to send me toilet paper, which I call him up. And I said, now we're friends, by the way. But I call him up and I call him on a carpet. And I said, look, I'm going to call him Arthur. That's not his name. I say, Arthur, what is this? What are you doing? Like, what is this toilet paper you're sending me? You and I both know that this isn't going anywhere in a court of law. You know that I was going to be a lawyer before I became an engineer, but I couldn't lie to people for a living. So I despise people that write toilet paper and make threats like this. Telling me that I can't be on those premises or you're gonna arrest me. I, I think that's not really ethical. And I think if we went to court, I think you'd lose. It's a threat. I said, I'm gonna, I'm going to follow your direction. Okay, because I don't have time for these petty little games because your ego people are playing and they have a power trip on them. I said, but you and I are going to talk again and things are going to change. year or two later, we're talking and It's like, and now they start to realize that I may not be as bad as they all think I am because of one person that told people, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going after him, we're suing him. He's doing all these illegal things. When David, the person was doing all the illegal things, I had my attorney remove them. Our old chamber had people on the board that were stealing. Now, why I get to this is something called negativity. Now, there's positivity and negativity. First, positivity travels further, positive energy, than negative energy, which is a good thing. And when you have somebody that's negative, the first thing you have to realize is not to be negative back. So what do you do? You could say to the person, Hey, you know, I know you're having some challenges right now. Do you, do you, do you want to do something that they say no and they're still negative? I get it. Maybe you just need some time to be alone. We'll hang out next week. That comes up again. We hang out next week and they're still that same terrible self. And you try to, you know, get them to feel better and they're not really interested. And so you say to them, look, you know, I don't really want to hang around with you anymore, man. What's the matter? Well, you know, I try to cheer you up. You're not really interested. And you're just so negative. And I don't know if you know this, but you become the people you hang around. And I'm a positive guy. And I don't want your negativity rubbing off on me. They like go into this state. And sometimes the people will be like, oh, geez, I better change my ways. And other times people will just go away. So you have to realize that you need to keep positive people in your life. Because if you don't, it's just like putting bad food in your body, right? You got to put the right nutrients in your body. By the way, today is national eat, eat vegetables today. Eat your vegetables day. And, the day we're uh, vegetables-
0: recording is national <laughs> eat your vegetable day. The day this is being released, it may be some know. <laughs> other, yeah, it'll be have a, have a great bag of candy. I mean, it's a day for everything, right?
1: <laughs> there, there's a day for everything. So I think, The important thing is to stay positive and to realize that when other people try to rain on your parade, I have a real simple thing I say to people. You know, Kim, it's a very interesting statement you made. I'm curious. Why did you make it? Would you share it with me? And when you become curious and when you ask them that, they're like, you're in the headlights like, They don't know what to do. I know what I'm doing, but they don't know what they're doing. And this leads me back to a point. We all know Dale Carnegie, right? Who wrote the greatest book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've also taken the Dale Carnegie classes. And I have to tell you, two of the most important things you're ever going to do in your life, if you want to build rapport with people, there's lots of things. But two of the most important things is get somebody's name and say it properly. If you don't know how to say their name, ask them, hey, I'm going to botch up your name, Would you mind sharing it with me? And they'll say it to you. The second thing you want to do is you want to become genuinely interested in the other people. We all go to these events and people throw these business cards at you. And I say to them, look, I'm in the middle of a conversation here with David. Right now, your card's going to go in my left pocket. However, if you wait till we finish our conversation, I'll be happy to talk with you and put it in my right pocket. I don't care what pocket you put in. Well, maybe you don't care. But you see, when I get out of this event, I'm going to take all the cards in my left pocket and I'm going to throw them in the trash can before I get in my car. And if they do this to you, those are people that are not worth your time. They're not worth your breath. They're not worth your energy. So why are you hanging around them? You are worth
0: hanging around better people. It might be muted. Sorry, my friend, my (laughs) mic was muted. No, what John's saying, and to the listeners, I apologize for the awkward delay. hundred percent, when you're around negative people, you start thinking that way and it starts bringing you down and you question yourself and your energy drops. And they're going to be those people, but don't let them suck you dry like a leech, right? I mean, they're like energy, emotional leeches, correct?
1: Yeah, I think these people do this because of the ego they have and they gotta fill that gaping hole in their head. The other reason they do it is because, well, they're narcissistic. (laughs) They basically just thrive on ruining other people's opportunities. And I said this before, Dave, and I'll say it again. You have the right to be as successful as you want. There is so much money, there's so much abundance in this world, okay? If you believe that there is no money in this world or you believe there's lack, you believe there's no love, do you know what you're doing? You're sending it out. Now, here's a real important one, David. I've been talking about words right now because that's how you you and I are talking. But to be honest with you, the reason I got that car and the reason I get everything else I get in life, considering the next car that I just test drove, it was another type of car. You get it not because of your words. You get it because the fact that you know how to talk to the universe. Well, how do you talk to the universe? What language is that? Well, that's a good question. The universe doesn't speak in words. The universe speaks in emotions. So when you take your emotions, and you might say, John, how do I do that? Do I just use my brain? Well, most people try to send this thought from their brain out there and they don't manifest and they get so darn tired. They forget, David, that they need to connect the brain and the heart together. When you connect the brain and the heart together, then they work in tandem. And when you try to manifest things, think about your heart being tied to your brain. And I want you to think about your heart projecting the energy out, not your head, because your heart is where the feelings are. The reason I got those that car was because I felt what it was like. There's another great saying and it goes to live the life You basically have to live the life of the wish fulfilled. And a great man said this, and that was Neville Goddard. Maybe some of you know Neville Goddard. He was a man that first taught these people at at church, in the back of the church, told the people not to climb a ladder. You probably say, what the heck does that mean? told people not to climb a ladder and write everywhere in their home, and their house, everywhere, I will not climb a ladder. 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 I'm not climbing a ladder. But every night, before you go to bed, I want you to picture yourself climbing a ladder. But all during the day, I want you to say, I will not climb a ladder. I'll not climb a ladder. What's going to happen within a few days?
0: You're You're magically
1: going to find yourself climbing a ladder. And you're like, oh, yeah, Oh, I climbed a ladder. Oh, jeez, I climbed a ladder. And one of the requirements for coming back to the second class is if you've climbed a ladder, you're ready for the next class. If you haven't climbed a ladder, then you haven't done the homework assignment. That's because the brain controls, not, the subconscious controls 95% of our body. That's why people don't become successful, because they have programs up here. They're saying that they shouldn't be successful.
0: So let's do this. I want to dig into this because if you're listening, some people are like, I've heard about this. Some people are like, yeah, I've heard about this. And some people are like, man, I want to learn more. Give this a real consideration and meditate on what John's saying, because there is truth throughout the Bible. And I'm not giving you a prosperity doctrine where, oh, you're going to be, you know, get saved, trust Christ, you're going to be rich. That's not in the Bible. But what John is saying is in the Bible, how, you know, our thoughts, you know, as a man thinketh, so is he, we reap what you sow, ask and you shall receive. So many concepts of the Bible Mm -hmm. are in this. People call it so many different things. Like off the top of my head, you got the law of attraction, manifestation, you have the secret, you know, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you can name 50 other things, John. Newton, and, and then we're going to get into the, my mind is, my tongue is stuck, but I can see it in my NLP or NPL. No, yeah, Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP, correct?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: That's what you're an expert in. So yes. give this a shot and we're going to get deeper. John's going to talk to us soon about the process of, okay, where do we begin in this? How can I try this out? And he's going to walk you through the steps. But first, we're going to finish his life story, and then we're going to go back to that. So, John, at this point in your life, between there and today, where does your life go? So, my life goes to the fact that I'm looking to
1: manifest bigger things. The thing that I'm working on right now, many of you know that I'm an engineer. I'm a marketing specialist. I'm a first responder. And I'm also currently hopefully getting ready for a TED talk in about a year. So I've got some of the goals and I'm currently working on writing a book. So my life is changing in a sense that I, and I'm also a video producer, I want to create value for people because I want them to see that this stuff works in your life. It really does. You just got to believe it, which is why I launched a brand new cast Basically in December, I had a a trial of it and uh, I got real serious with it in January and it's called IFYL, Inspirations for Your Life. And it's it's a live show that I do every night. And it's all about how we can become better versions of ourselves and how, for example, the week we're recording this, we're talking about the tip of the iceberg. What is the tip of the iceberg? And sometimes the tip is all we see, because we don't know how to get deeper below the iceberg. We don't know how to reveal that. We miss things because the fact all we see is all we see, but there's a lot more than what we see. And I think what's going on with my life right now is I'm at the point where I want to get this out to as many people as possible. I want other people To have the epiphanies that i'm having in my life in their life even if they're a fraction of the size and i want people to be grateful and watch their language in their life
0: awesome so between your birth and today is there anything else we missed that you want to cover before we dig into the practical how to start retraining our brains and seeing the prosperity in our lives
1: So many things that I've done in my life. I also became a Toastmaster. Excelled through the ranks there. Yeah, I have another one for you. (laughs) Another story. I worked for a government company when I first got out of college. And I knew it was part-time. And they said to me, John, we're going to hire you. And again, it was a fraction of what I was worth back then. This is a while ago. And so I worked for this government agency, which actually ran schools and a whole bunch of things. So I had a commute from different things. I was the T-S-C. Governments love acronyms, for those of you who don't know. Technical Services Coordinator. Sounds like a great title. Sounds like it's worth a lot of money. It's not. When they make these titles so technical, they make them in a way that avoids certain words, because if those words are in there, then they have to pay you more. So things like Coordinator, They don't get paid much. They never put the name engineer, specialist. They don't put that in there because then it would be more than entry level. And so I did work for this company for quite a few years. Everybody loved me. And I realized they weren't very grateful for having me there. So I kind of just, you know, chalked it up saying, you know, I'm not going to be here forever, but I'm just going to deal with this. One day. I went to the school, like I normally do, but this time usually takes 15 minutes. Today, it took 30 minutes. So the Gestapo, when I got back to our main office, I was just signing in, he says, John. Yes, how are you? Where have you been? I said, well, I was down at school, 22. Yeah, and then where did you go? I came back here. It's uh, 30 minutes. You should have been back here 15 minutes ago. Where were you? I said, well, why don't we dissect that, shall we? I, I left the building at such as a time. I waved the security guard. I had to park all the way down the street in the garage because there was no parking in the school lot. It was blazing hot outside. Went through all traffic lights. And she said, John, she said, you still have seven minutes. Where are you? Well... I got to a traffic light and it was really hot. I pulled into a 7-Eleven and I went and got an icy cold bottle of water. Aha, we got you. Aha, what? You're stealing government money. Well, I didn't take a lunch that day and I was in 7-Eleven for maybe two minutes. It's not my problem that you didn't take lunch. You're required to take it. If you don't take it, that's not our problem. We're not here to play flex time with your time, and you stole two minutes from us. Make sure that never happens again. I said, Don't worry, it'll never happen again. I was about a week from being vested for life at this part time job. It was a day before Thanksgiving. The next week, when I came back, I would have been vested. So, uh,
0: Explain to the audience what vested is, because some people have never heard that
1: term. Vested basically means that you're going to keep getting an appreciation of money from that government agency for your life. It could be whatever it is. It could be 500, it could be a thousand. You would get it every single month after you reach a certain age. Now, what happens is they keep fueling money, even if you're not at that age, into like a type of IRA account. As a benefit, so you're for you're, you're vested for life.
0: So it costs the company if you're listening money, money when people are vested if they're looking at it from an accounting standpoint and don't have a big picture of an organization.
1: And a lot of people like this because it's a perk, right? So uh, it was that day just before Thanksgiving. I knocked on Mary's door. That wasn't her name. I knocked and I'm like, "Hey, Mary, do you have a minute?" Yeah, sure, John. Check brings me inside. I sit down and uh, I say, you know, Mary, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Did you want to water something? No, no, I'm good. I want to say thank you for helping me become a better version of myself and helping you become a better version of yourself. And they're not getting it, David. They're like not getting it. So she says, yeah, she says, you really gotta get back to work, don't no, you? I said, yeah. I said, in a minute. I want to let you know that today is gonna be my very last day. And then she let like goes in this trance. What? Oh, I'm I'm officially quitting your company at closing today. I'm not coming back after Thanksgiving. John, you're gonna miss being vested. I say, you know what? I said, if my whole life was predicated on whether I'm gonna be vested or not this money is like peanuts. I said, I'm going to make tons more money than this in my sleep. And right now this job is stifling me from becoming a better version of myself. And it's time to move on to other things in my life. This was a chapter in my life. And I've seen that it's time to close this chapter. So I want to thank you for that opportunity. It's been interesting. And, they like, didn't know what to say, David. I go outside and I see this one lady. She wants me to help her fix some of the database. And she says to me, are you going to help me? I said, yes. And it's getting close to quitting time. She said, you got to get going. We have to leave right at five. You'll come back next week. I said, no, I won't be back on Monday. She said, oh, you're going to back on Tuesday. She said, you have such a weird schedule, John. You work whenever you want. She said, are you are going to come back on Thursday? Well, when the heck are you coming back? Like, what day are you coming back? I said, well, Tina, to be honest with you, I'm not coming back. She's oh, come here, John. She says, I am so sorry. She says, I knew they were going to do it to you. Excuse me? They fired you, didn't they? And you're such a great guy. Fired me? No, 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 no. I quit. You quit? Yeah. I went down to school 722 about a week ago and when they chastised me for being 15 minutes late from the normal time, I started to think about it and I saw Gloria this morning and I officially quit. Oh, and then they got really snooty. So sometimes you gotta take a risk. You've gotta do something you may not want to do because there'll be a greener pasture on the other side of the fence, but it might not look like that. There's going to be some pain before you get
0: there. Yeah, I was just having this conversation this week with a friend of mine who's late 40s, early 50s. Mm -hmm. He is uber talented. I mean, so talented. He's worked with major corporations like international Fortune 100 companies. And he has had a bad habit of making bad business deals. So these businesses are built on his back. He works 60, 70 hours a week and he's never got ahead financially. So we've been talking for the last, I mean, for years, but the last couple of years, the advice was dude, get all your debt paid, put six months in the bank and take the plunge, do it. you, You don't have any obligations other than yourself In the sense of, you know, financial obligations, you're free. And if you're going to take a risk, do it now. You're not getting younger and you're Mm going to fulfill that dream. But if you don't take that step, you're just going to keep in the cycle of abuse. It's abuse. It's self-abuse. And you're going to
1: and you're going to have regrets. You should never have any regrets in your life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And he's worked so much. He sacrificed having a relationship and he desperately wants to have a loving relationship. And he's just, it's hard to meet people when you're working 70 hours a week for years, right? Not only
1: that, David, what I learned when I did work for lots of companies as consulting. These companies, without mentioning all the names, a lot of them today will run you in the ground and burn you out. I -hmm. had a company, I think it was about two weeks ago. And they wanted me to help them with a project. And, you know, they gave me, they said, this is what we're going to pay you to do this project. And I said, I'm happy to help you a little bit. I said, but you can't afford me (laughs) to work full time. I said, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And they came back to me. They said, well, what the heck does that mean? I said, in short, I own a few companies that they make a few dollars. Let's just say that. And I don't think you understand what I do. I went to a hospital. I told this lady who was in a medical field. I went to a hospital the other day. Because their head surgery team, I never worked on robotics in my life, but I can figure almost anything out. They called me and said, John, we can't do another surgery on this back because we need to load a a new spinal operation into the robotic operating system. I said, okay, what do you need me for? Well, we can't do it. Why not? We can't do it because we forgot the password. You don't know the password to the main controller that runs the operating robot for the operating room. We kind of forgot it. How about the administrator? Well, we fired him and we don't know the password there either. So I went down there and they said, well, John, how much is it going to cost? And so I gave him a number. And they said, is that per hour? I said, no, that's for me to fix it. And they said, well, what if you fix it in five minutes? I said, well, you're not paying me for my time, gentlemen. You're paying me for my experience. And I walked in there. I was there for maybe 20 minutes. I walked out. They said, are you serious? You're going to charge us this for 20 minutes? I said, yes, I am. I said, because you can't get anybody else that's going to come and do this for you. And I know that. And so when you know what you're worth, that's the most important thing. There's a difference between being pompous and saying, I'm worth this. I get pharma companies to call me and say, hey, John, we want you to help us with this, and we're going to pay you X. And I was like, you probably should go to a kid that's coming out of college. Like, You don't really know who you're dealing with. Do you know what my resume is? Do you know who I've worked for? Do you know the kinds of things I've done? So you're not interested? What you're paying for the whole month is what I would charge you for the day. Oh. (laughs) And I think it's people's perceptions. And then when you work for a company like this, David, you get angry with yourself because now you're not able to be creative. Because if you lock yourself into a company that doesn't give you the kind of money that you want because you can't be creative enough, you're not going to be happy. And these companies don't care, David, whether you achieve your dreams or not. They don't, they don't care. All they care about is whether you're going to be able to do their nine to five job. And so if you're looking for a nine to five job, that's great. But people that are entrepreneurs, people who are entrepreneurs, they don't work for companies unless they're consulting because there's just not enough money there.
0: Yeah. And so for the people listening now, let's take this as the opportunity to move the podcast into the practical hands-on how Mm -hmm. to fix it. Because there are people out there that are awesome people, talented people, phenomenal humans. And yet they are feeling trapped. They're feeling stuck. They feel unappreciated. They're unhappy. And the truth is when we start dissecting our situations a lot of it's within like you said it's our mind mm-hmm. so start helping these people out for those people step one where do you recommend they start reprogramming their brains
1: so i think the first thing we have to talk about is do you want to do this that, that that's the first thing i'm going to ask you do you want to make this change that's the first thing because if you're saying to me john i think i want to do it but i'm not on board then anything you do is not gonna work. So let's find out, do you wanna make the change? That's number one. And if you wanna make the change, yes, we can take the steps. But if you're on the fence to whether you should do this or not, then I'm gonna say something really important to you. And that's gonna be that you need to develop a better why. Because if your why is not loud enough, no matter what I share with you, your brain's gonna try to reverse engineer. Your brain is gonna try to not cooperate. So let's first agree that what you want to do is something that you're going to be all in with. That's the first thing. So now that we got past that step, reprogramming our brain. So there's a lot to do to do this, but there's some some simple things that you can do to reprogram your brain. One of the simplest things I want to share with you in our time is going to be anchoring, because there's lots of brain activities let's say, for example, that you want to create abundance in your life. This is something I know a lot of people want. So what I ask people to do, it's really simple. You could take your hands. I mean, you probably can't. Some of you are listening. So take your dominant hand. If it's your left, your right, hold it up and then take your. So your dominant hand should be to be your left, your right. And then your other hand is going to be right next to it. So my dominant hand is my right hand. So my left hand is the one that's not dominant. So you're going to notice that in your non-dominant hand, you're going to have like a little L between your thumb and your index finger. Pretty easy. Your dominant hand is going to be your thumb and index finger. All right. So what I want you to do is I want you to take your thumb and index finger, and you can just, now once you pinch, it, just pinch it lightly and leave it on your desk. You don't have to keep it on camera. And so once you've done that, just keep that gently. Don't hurt yourself. And the next thing you want to do is I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you right now, where would you be sitting right now? If you were making and I'm gonna use the example of seventy eight hundred dollars a day now, why am I doing that because I want to make sure you have plenty of money and you're actually a millionaire because if I just give you a certain amount of money I'm like, oh, I didn't make a million, I only made eight eighty, I only made nine twenty so I want you to make seventy eight hundred dollars a day, okay, and then you'll have plenty of money to be a millionaire, one point something easily so now, where would you be sitting right now if you were making a day, where would you be sitting right now? Who would you be sitting with? Now that you know where you'd be sitting, what would the chair be like? What would the environment be like? What would the colors of the room be like? And how would you feel? How would you be sitting right now if you were making $7,800 a day? How would you be sitting in your chair? How would you feel right now? All right. Now, Let's imagine for a moment that uh, you're going to go to a store. Could be a clothing store, could be an electronics store. It doesn't really matter what it is. And I want you to imagine going to that store and looking at all the different things in that store. And now realizing that I tell you, you can have one or all of those things. And notice how that makes you feel. Because remember, price is no object for you. Now I want you to think about maybe one of your favorite cars that you want. Could be from anything you want. I mean, it could be a Jeep, it could be a Mercedes, could be a Porsche, could be a Land Rover, anything you want. Think about that car. I want you to think about having and driving it. Now I want you to think about going to the showroom with getting that car. And you know how it's been in the past when you go to the showroom, they're always nasty to you because you know they figure you can't afford that car. And they can kind of tell because when somebody's not confident it shows that they really don't have it. So you got to believe that's number one. So now let's think about you going to that showroom and realizing that you can have any color, any option, any feature. And when you want the car tomorrow, it's an extra $10,000, you can have it. How does that make you feel? Pretty good, right? So now that you're feeling really good about having that car, imagine yourself coming the next day and driving that car driving it through town, seeing your friends, waving to them. How about pulling into your favorite restaurant? And this time they don't park the car in the lot. They park your car in the front where everybody can see. That really makes you feel great. And now you walk out of that restaurant and you say, where's my car? Oh, your car's right there on display. Oh, that's my car. That's your car? Yeah, that's my car. It's like, oh, wow. And they're all like, and they're like, and now, you walk right in, but so many people are like watching you almost like this paparazzi. And now that you got this car that you love so much, I want you to know what would you do for your friends and family? What would you buy them? What kind of things would you buy them? And once you bought those things for them, I want to know right now, what would you do for yourself? Would you invest in more education? Would you buy a second car? Would you buy a helicopter? What would you want in your life? Would you want world-class cooking lessons from a famous chef to come right in your home, not on zoom, come right to your home. What would you want in your life? Anything can happen. And I want you to think right now, if you're looking for that abundance and I want you to imagine talking to a friend and that friend saying to you, wow, how did you do that? Like, How did you ever achieve all that? How could I ever do that? And think about how that makes you feel. I know it's got to make you feel really good. It's got to raise your adrenaline. It's got to raise your blood pressure in a good way. And I want you to notice that anything in this world could be yours. Hey, you suddenly want to fly to Paris with your wife, partners, any other. And now realize that when you go to Paris, you've actually just bought the restaurant out for dinner. So it's just you and your partner, and you have a private band there. Heck, when you go to Broadway, you don't go see a play. You bought the whole theater out. It's just you and your friends in the front row. Now, that's got to make you feel really good. And remember, abundance is all around you. And I want you to think about how you're going to feel right now with making this kind of money, seeing that money in your bank account, knowing that anything you want, it's only a million dollars. It's only $10,000. It's only $20,000. It's only, it's only, it's only. And the more money you spend and the more money you give, the more money you seem to get back. It's like this natural cycle. And when you can't feel any better, right now you're feeling really good and really high. I want you to give it a moment. I want you to really feel, how would it feel right now? You're now making, yes, one point some million dollars a year after taxes. You got to feel really good. All oh, that game you want to go see for the basketball or the football team? No need in getting just basic seats. You have your own box and you can bring your friends to watch the game every weekend if you want. Anything you want. And now, when you can't feel any better about this in your life, it's so high, I want you to release your thumb and index finger from your from the other hand. Now, that probably gave you a charge. I want you to take that Non dominant hand, I want you to take the dominant hand. I want you to slowly come back and pinch and notice how those feelings slightly return. If they don't return, you might need to do this five, six, seven, or eight times to start to build the feelings. And you should do this over 30 days because what happens in our life, we become unanchored because of situations around us. If we can learn how to anchor ourselves, maybe it's abundance, maybe it's confidence, there's lots of different things we can anchor ourselves toward. When we can put ourselves, this is what the top people, I use this all the time put you in a state, in a feeling, because we're all gonna drop out, things happen, our world happens. It's not whether something is gonna happen to you or when, it's how you choose to respond. And if you can put yourself into a peak state, it's gonna seem like a bump in the road. Now you might say to me, John, what the heck is a bump in the road? Have you ever gone over a bump in the road? It's just a bump, right? So many people I talk to, David, they get up in the morning, and they they bump their elbow, they stub their toe, they knock something over, and they use some choice four-letter words, and then they go to take a shower, and they burn their back or their arm. They go out to the kitchen, and they spill their orange juice. Then they go to have cereal, and They not only spill the milk, but they they drop the bowl all over the counter and it goes all over the shirt, all over their pants. Now they've got a quick go and change. Now they're going to be late. Now there's traffic. Now, not only is there traffic, there's an accident. Now they're even more delayed. Now they get to work, which is with a key client. They were supposed to be there at nine o'clock. They get there at 1030 and they walk in and the client says, good afternoon. Where were you? Oh, I got stuck in a little traffic. Well, if this is how you run your personal life, I don't think we really wanna give the campaign to you. We're gonna look at other agencies. And then you start to bring that in and you start to feel really bad because it makes you feel even worse. Instead, if you would have done something like, realize it's a bump in the road. Whenever I do something, maybe I knock a bottle over, Maybe I stubbed my toe. Things are going to happen, right? I say to myself, it's a bump in the road. And the rest of my day is going to be great. Attitude is key. It is so key. But you have to be consistent about it. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to do it today. And then tomorrow, well, I had this happen with a lady that, that couldn't pay a bill. She had four kids. She was in three, three marriages. Uh, three, uh, divorced again. And the lady said to me, she was watching one of my shows and she said to me, John, she says, I don't have the money. And uh, I had saw her on the program and she said to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm getting bills every day. I can't pay them. They're coming to foreclose my house. My grandkids are moving away. I I only see one was, so you had all these issues. I'm working four jobs. So I said to the lady, look, I said, I don't usually do this. I said, but I would like to help you. So I'm willing to spend a little time with you at my expense. The only thing I ask is that you are going to be committed and do whatever it takes. Whatever I tell you, you're going to do. Are you committed to do that? She's like, well, I don't know. I'm really busy. I said, I'm willing to coach you for free and help you. You're not willing to take my advice. I'm not willing to give you my time. She's like, I guess I'll. I said, no, no, no. You guess, or you're gonna do what I tell you. No, no, I'll do what I said. Okay. So I started working with her. She called me once. I told her some different things, and then she called. I said, give me seven days. Three days, she called me back, and she says, John, she says, this is terrible. I got another notice. I said, it's only been three days. So she calls me back on the fourth day. I said, it's only been four days. She calls me back on the sixty. I said, it's all been six days. She She's, oh, no, John. She says, I got to tell you something. I said, well, what happened? She says, well, she says, I want to let you know that I actually got fired from my job. I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, no, 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 no. She said, that's the greatest thing. She says, and I actually got another job. And I quit my other three jobs. And I'm making two times what I made at all my four jobs combined. And I'm only working a nine to five job. I said, well, that's great. She says, and my two grandkids, the one that's here is fine, but the two that were moving away, both of their parents are moving back to my state. So I'm going to get to see them almost every day. I said, that's fantastic. She said, you know, the the place I'm renting, I said, I know you're paying like $1,600 a month. She says, yeah. She says, well, I don't know what happened. If God answered my prayer or what, but she says, the landlord sent me a letter and said, we know you're going through some challenges and uh, we're going to lower your rent we just need you to pay $500 a month. And she was like, am I, am I alive? And uh, she said to me, she said, I just don't believe this. I said, you got to keep believing. You got to keep this attitude. So by the end of the seventh day, she was so high in believing by just changing her thoughts around. The problem is most people won't do it because they're so pulled down by what they see out here. See, what you see out here is not real. It's something you produced in your mind. You know, what you see out here is great, but you first have to create it in here and then it appears out here. Just because it's not here yet, doesn't mean it's not coming. Just because that car was not in my driveway yet, doesn't mean I wasn't getting it. When you go to a restaurant and you order steak, you say to the maitre d' or to the, this is what I want. I want a flaming yon. I want a butterfly. And you wait 10 or 15 minutes. But you go back and say, oh, did you get my order? Did you get my order? You know I ordered a flaming yon. You know I ordered a butterfly. You got it. Is it coming? Is it coming? Is it coming? No, you don't do that. If you don't get the order, maybe 35 minutes, you might say, hey, could you check on it? But you have to create the feeling, manifest it 2nd And then what you need to do is believe that it's coming and yes, be ready to receive. Once you start to second doubt yourself, you've already put a block and the universe doesn't work with people that block their emotions.
0: Mm. And just to clarify for the listeners, that's so powerful, but there's some people that are like, wait, wait, the first step, grabbing my hand. It was your dominant hand grabs your non-dominant hand, correct?
1: Yes, yes. And
0: yes. talk about, because there's people obsessing about details and they're missing your big picture. The, it's discomfort and pain. And then you go through that beautiful process. Of- yeah, so,
1: so what we did, it wasn't so much a pain. It was, I could have done the anchor with any technique, but I just had you create a difference, okay? If any of you ever had a tooth pulled before, Is that painful? No, but is there a slight discomfort? That's how I like to describe it, right? A slight discomfort. That's what we did. We create a slight discomfort or let's say a feeling that's different than the normal feeling, right? And so now that we had that, your mind was focusing in on that. And as soon as we let go, when your brain hit that heightened state, it locked in because the sensory changed in your body.
0: Okay, so once a day, We're grabbing our hand. More than
1: that. You should be doing this several. You should be doing this at least every couple hours. Do it at least 30
0: days. (laughs) So set a reminder on your phone. Yep. Do it every hour or two for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And then during the rest of the time, what do you recommend we do with our lives?
1: So, So the other thing you can do is you can create a vision board now we can do electronic vision boards. And so you can, if you're not an electronic person, you can go to like a Walmart or a store and buy one of these, you know, inexpensive whiteboards, like a, little, like a little piece of construction paper. You can get them at Michael's, lots of stores. And then what I want you to do is I want you to get magazines of things that you like. And I want you to put those pictures onto that thing. And it might be things like, what's my ideal
0: life? And you could print it off the internet. You're just you saying get you, you, physical... you could print
1: it. I, I find that the magazine, though, is, is a little bit better. And I'll tell you why. Because you're physically doing something. See, when you go on the computer and doing it, you're not engaging as much of the mind. When you have a magazine and you're thumbing through and you're cutting it, you're clipping it, you're putting a lot of attention to the detail. If you go search for something and you go print it out, I mean, there's some detail, but it's not as much. Mm-hmm. So now you're you're looking for something in a book that you already like, like a Better Homes and Gardens. Uh, I get a report called um, the Rob Report, which is a, it's basically a millionaire book where you can have all these high-end things and you could pick the things you want and put them on the thing. Then what you need to do is you need to focus on that. The other thing that you could do, some people feel a little uncomfortable with this, is I call it the mirror technique. You could do it with a camera, you can do it in the mirror. And you can literally stand in that, stand in front of the mirror And you could say, I make a million dollars a year. And you have to believe it. And you could say that. There have been studies where people have done that, that are drunk. And they've literally said, I am not drunk. I am not drunk. I am not drunk. And they came away from the mirror. And their mind changed their physiological state. So what we're doing, David, is we're taking our chemicals and our neurons to lock together. Because neurons that are wired together fire together. So when we did this, we created a brain map, if you will, of connections that get you to feel good. So if you went swimming, for example, do you know, like if you go on a date and uh, the first thing we always do on a date, I tell people is, you know, don't spend time doing this elaborate date. Just go and have coffee. If it works, great. Then suggest you go for dinner or for breakfast, you know, make it longer. Then you could make it into an outing. So if it was a dinner, you could go coffee. You go dinner, hey, do you wanna go bowling? Like, just keep it casual. Now, the reason we go to a theme parks is pretty interesting. The reason we do that third thing, like have fun, is because we want to build a chemistry. Now you might say to me, John, well, I'm attracted to the lady, I'm attracted to the gentleman. That's good but that is not gonna keep things going. So when you go to a theme park and you go on a Ferris wheel or you go on a roller coaster together, even friends do this, you become great friends. I remember going on a roller coaster. My first roller coaster was in, it's called the Great American Scream Machine. It's not there anymore in Great Adventure, New Jersey.
0: Mm -hmm. I've been on that, I've been on that. It's great, it was a great ride.
1: And I remember David, first I should tell you, don't do this we kind of skipped school that day. I don't advise that, but we skipped school and we did it because we wanted to get into the park and go on all the rides. So we went down there and we got down there. This was it. We did this in we actually did this in it was it was in high school. And so we went down there and I remember going down there, went on the rides and I'd never been on a roller coaster before in my life. And I remember going down there and we got on this ride and the anticipation really built up. And so now, I was like, this, this adrenaline's pumping. I'm on this ride with a good friend of mine. And we're, we're like, almost like we're there. But it's like, you know, you want to grab somebody to their wrist or something. And when I did that, we got off that ride. I don't know. First, I was getting kind of nicknamed and tagged for, all oh, you're a chick and you're this. <laughs> but after that kind of went bad and they were calling me some words in jest. We became great friends because I created, or we created together, an emotional bond. And so when I asked them to do other things for me, because of that emotional bond we created, that friend was honest with me, that friend was more open, that friend was just available for me to help in any way I needed. So when we create these kinds of anchors in our life, we've all gone to either Yankee Stadium or to a concert a great thing to do is you can anchor yourself to a feeling of being at a concert. You can anchor yourself to being anything. You can anchor yourself to your first sales success, which I teach my team to do all the time, Anchoring yourself. So anchoring is a process where you do something with your body to create that, to be locked. And I did this, but there's lots of things you could do to anchor something. And by doing those anchoring points something a little more advanced we can't do on the show because we really can't get up. But I do anchor with people just on the way they stand. I'll ask you, how do you feel as if you were abundantly successful right now? You've got all the money. You've got the date of your life. You got that life that's so picture perfect and everything is just working for you. How would you stand like that? Now you stand that way and you feel it. And one thing you're going to notice, David, is if I ask you to become angry or upset, you're not gonna be able to do it while you're standing like that. So I teach people to get into a state, and this was just a simple one, but when we do it with our body's physiology, our brain cannot avoid that state. Our body is very powerful. And so when we start to realize how to control our body, we'll also learn how to build rapport with other people. Now, I say build rapport. I don't say manipulate them. That's very important. I'm saying to use these tactics and techniques to be ethical and to create a heightened state of, of, of rapport building. You wouldn't want to use these techniques if you were trying to be a slimy salesperson. That would be bad. It would work, but that would also be bad, and karma would eventually come against you. So, I think you have to realize that when you anchor yourself, it's probably like the million dollar secret because no one is going to feel great 100% of the time. No one. And so when we learn to anchor ourselves into states, into feelings, you know, you suddenly got a call and maybe it wasn't good news from a friend, maybe they're in the hospital, whatever it is, and that pulled your day down you can suddenly anchor yourself back to a state that makes you feel good. Because sometimes people go into these dumps, right? So that roller coaster, why did that anchor that feeling? Well, when I was on that roller coaster and we were going around, I was getting nervous and building up that anticipation. And when we got to that heightened point in the loop, I grabbed my friend's wrist. I think I squeezed it, he probably turned white. I squeezed it, didn't say anything. I just grabbed this really hard. And as I did that, the camera grabbed a stupid picture of me grabbing it. and I got off the ride and it was like, I don't know, we knew each other for a hundred years. So it's powerful. And people in life, by the way, don't buy on words. They buy on emotions. And so when we learn, which is a little bit out of scope for today, when we learn what the combination is for people's map in their body and how it represents something, we can truly affect and change them if it's beneficial and necessary for society.
0: Man, John, this has been enlightening, powerful, and I am very thankful you were on the podcast today. Before we close up the episode, is there anything we miss that you want to leave the listeners with a thought, a technique, just an encouragement, anything we miss from start to now that you want to share?
1: I think the, the last thing I'm going to share with is one, one technique about how to get rid of a phobia. And the last one I'm going to end with is how to reach me. So one thing I tell you to do, you can close your eyes and if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, it's totally up to you. And so when you close your eyes, I want to ask you right now, think about something that bothers you. Is there something in your life that you're not happy about? Okay, maybe something that somebody said to you. I'll give an example. When I first played with this technique, a friend of mine was getting harassed because his uncle and family were knocking him because he was reading Harry Potter books. It was his uncle, it was his family, and he he was making him feel really bad about himself and uh, he lost friends from this all because of the way this started to make him represent the self that he wasn't, but he was projecting because of the way people were responding to him. So I said to him, close his eyes, like I'm going to tell you to do now. And I said, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to point to the part in your body that you're feeling that horrible feeling. Where is it? Point to that part in the body. could be anywhere you want. Okay, so wherever it is. So now that you pointed to that part in your body, I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to reach in very gently. It's really safe. And I want you to grab that whole feeling. Can you grab it? Just pull it out of your head. Pull it out of your head, get all that out of your head. Can you get it? Once you've got it all out of your head, I want you to, to make a great big TV screen of that image in front of you, okay? I want you to see that problem or that annoyance on that TV screen, okay? Now that you see that, that image in full color, I want you to imagine making that image black and white. And notice how the feeling changed. Did the feeling get a little bit less strong?
0: Oh, like the volume decreased.
1: Yeah, okay, great. So now what I wanna do is I wanna take that image and I want you to use your fingers and I want you to bring that TV in to the size of a postage stamp, almost like a micro TV. And as you're doing that and feeling it, I want to ask you, did the feeling change? Did the feeling get a little bit less intense for you?
0: I feel like I lost the TV. I opened my fingers. So I know that sounds weird, but I feel no, like- No, it's, it's
1: okay. It's okay. So, so I feel like, ahead, like it disappeared. It
0: like disappeared in the air.
1: All right, so, okay, so how do you feel about that situation right now? How do you feel about it? Do you still feel it in your body
0: anywhere? It's much reduced, but I still feel a little bit. Where do you feel it? In my head.
1: Okay, go back there. So you did something.
0: Mm -hmm. Grab it
1: all out. Okay. You got it there, right? I want you to make a small TV set of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Draw a nice TV
1: set. The TV set's there. And this time the TV set will be very easily and able to be manipulated and it will stick to you. So if you ever lose it, it'll be right on the back of your hand. So you won't lose it. It has a magnet on it. So you're going to be fine this time. Be very easy to find it. So now, what color is the image on the screen? Is it color or is it black and white?
0: It's black and white.
1: Okay, good. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to take the knob on the TV. This is an old-fashioned TV. And I want you to use the contrast knob so that actually the horizontal makes it into a big white line. The sides come in and you just have the top and the bottom and a big white line. Can you see that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, how does it feel right now? Good. A little better, right? Yes. Okay. Take that white line, but there's another, which I think, I think it's the, I don't use old-fashioned TVs too much, but if, if you use the next knob, which would probably be the, uh, the vertical hold, take that one and now push it, and you're going to notice it going into a little tiny white dot, and then the dot becomes black. Tell me how it feels now. Good. Feels really good. All right. You feel it? Feels pretty low, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I want you to take that TV. That's probably the size of a postage stamp. Can you see the TV? It's really small, size of a postage stamp. Probably fits just in the your palm of your hand. Okay. All right. What's your favorite sport?
0: MMA, mixed martial arts.
1: Okay, so your favorite move in mixed martial arts is what?
0: Probably the rear naked choke.
1: Okay. All right. So I want to imagine right now. That, that near naked choke that you do, I want you to imagine that you're behind somebody, but you're not choking the person. I want you to imagine that this little TV set is what you're doing the rear naked choke on, okay? When I count from, basically I'm gonna go back from five to one. When I get to one, all of your arms and all your feelings are gonna be so tight around that. And then when I reach one, you're gonna put every ounce of energy you have to annihilate that as the true martial artist that you know you are. Ready? So it's going to be five, four, three, two, and one. I want you to just really choke that out. Like you can almost see the TV smoking. It just caught a puff. It looks kind of funny, actually. It just sort of puffed. And that TV is gone. And you can look at it in the atmosphere. And you can see the only thing going is the vapors just literally leaving that massive martial hole that you have, you just destroyed it. How do you feel? It feels good. Do you still feel it anywhere in your body?
0: I still feel a little heaviness in my head, but much reduced. So I don't know if there's something else there.
1: So, so that might be something else, but we'll try one more time. Go back to your head, go back to your head and point to where it is. So it looks like it's in a different spot this time. So it's just the whole, whole
0: the whole frontal lobe of my head feels yeah, heavy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's probably something tied to it. So take that whole front out. And does that feel a little better now? Does that feel better that you took that out of your head? Does that feel a little better? Yeah. Okay. So now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that that thing you just, I want you to take that great big, make it into a great big TV again. And I want you to tell me what kind of image is on the screen. Color, it's- black and white.
0: It's a black and white image of someone that's harmed me.
1: Okay. So I want you to imagine that that person that's harmed you, I want you just to imagine that you literally just take your finger and you just touch them, almost like a little magic touch, and they get as small as this little tiny cartoon character. Can you feel that?
0: Yep.
1: How does that feel? Happy really happy right
0: now lighter, lighter and happy
1: i want you to imagine just for the hell of it since you're so good at martial arts you can say whatever you want to say to that person in your head and i want you to do whatever kind of move you want to do with your foot and i want you to to just smash that person to, to, to kill that that little tiny little cartoon character just 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 get rid of it in this picture Okay. And as you do that, you know, you're on top and you feel so good that you're on top. How do you feel right now?
0: Good. I just flicked him with my finger into the atmosphere. You
1: just flicked him there. into the atmosphere. Is there anything left in your head? Can you feel anything else in your head?
0: No, it feels good. Relax. Okay.
1: So now what I want you to do is I want you just to reach back to your whole head. I want you to just reach back out. And I want you to know that as you're pulling that, you're pulling out any other negativity that you currently don't know exists. These are things that are subconscious, things that might be affecting you, that might just be in your way, but you're not sure of them. And now that you're seeing that in your head, I want you to take that, and I want you to take that little ball you've got, and I want you to crush it into a great big ball, not a TV set, I want you to make it into this nice little ball, almost like a tennis ball or a baseball, I don't care. And whether you want to use a tennis racket or a baseball bat, I want you to throw that tennis, and I want when you hit it, I want you to hit it out of the atmosphere. And as you hit it, I want you to see that entire ball just blowing up, exploding, taking away any stress, any tension, and any feelings of negativity that are possibly holding you back from anything that you're trying to achieve. Go ahead and hit that ball or baseball out of the park and feel it. And see it just puffing into the air. How do you feel?
0: Relaxed, happy.
1: Right. At the count of five, I'm going to count up from one to five. At five, you'll be wide awake, open with your eyes open, feeling fine and perfect health, feeling much better than you did before. No ill effects whatsoever in your head. Eyesight, vision, hearing will improve every single time you function within these levels of the mind, including hearing. One, start to feel energy coming up into your toes. Two, start to feel the energy come up into your neck and thighs. Three, coming up into your inner legs, thighs and groin. Four, coming up into the lower chest, abdomen area. Four and a half, coming up to the upper thoracic cavity. Coming up into the neck, up into the eyes and face. Five, eyes open, wide awake, feeling fine in perfect health, feeling much better than you did before. No. So, how does your how does your situation feel if I ask you to think about it right now? Re-
0: relief and kind of like pressure off me.
1: Right. So, so that's, a, that's a, a little yes. bit.
0: I mean, it's just all fast, and I'm not good. At, I'm a novice. So, if you're listening, I'm a novice at this. So, <laughs> thank you for your patience, my friend. But it feels like a little bit more focused with without pressure on my brain. So normally when
1: I do this with someone in a session, I take about an hour. The the thing that I can tell you is that what we did is we got through the part that was causing you to feel bad and causing you to feel negative. What you're feeling now are probably just some remnants that are there, but they're not affecting your body. So if you think about it right now, it probably doesn't make a difference to you. Like, it's not going to affect you right now, right? Actually,
0: yeah, it's funny. Okay, so for those (laughs) listening and watching, I don't know if I can put it into words, but (laughs) before somebody brought up this individual or topic, it instantly roused all this stuff in me. And I went back to those moments. And now it's like, dude, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, it's gone. Like I just uh, and don't... our
1: next our next step would be to get you to be if we talk about it wouldn't bother you. So now we got you to be not averse to it, but now the next step would be to if I bring it up, which is what I did with him in the second session. I did the first step, which was great. I said, How do you feel? So I really don't when I find it when it feels like, Oh yeah, I don't want to talk about it. then I got him again. So you know what John he says, I really don't care. You could talk about it. it makes you happy, I could talk about it. I really don't care. So that's the next step. We got to agree that it was an issue, now the thing is becoming comfortable and, and laughing about it. So a good thing to do with that, a real quick thing you can do with that is you could take the experiment, closing your eyes, and you can step through it backwards and making it funny. And when you do that really fast, funny, you're like, how could something this stupid going backwards make me any serious? I don't give a darn. So making that film go backwards in your head will start to take away, I believe, some of the edge. Again, I mean, David, this was just a quickie, uh, you know, a demonstration of what I normally do. I do another one where I do a room of people with those red and green notes. So the point I was trying to impress upon you and many of your viewers and listeners today is that our mind is powerful. And the techniques I've learned and techniques that we can apply in our life will literally make you very, very successful. Because most people only use one-tenth of their mind. That's it. Most people use one-tenth of their mind. And the last thing I'll leave you with is how people can get reach out to me. So they can reach out to me really easily. Just like my hat says, believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, me, M-E, achieve, dot ecom Because when we choose to believe, we will achieve. But we have to really believe and feel it words don't mean anything. When we did all these examples with you, the most important thing I got you to do, David, was to feel it. Everything I had you do, I had you feel it. And then I kept checking in with you. Now, it's a lot harder doing this with you when we're not in person, but it still was pretty effective even without being in person with you.
0: Yeah, no, I I truly feel a difference in my mental state where it's like, huh, I don't even want to talk about that or think about it I'm just move on. So that that was a great episode for me. And I hope to our (laughs) listeners, you're working through the exercise. It's not about me or john, it's about God and you and helping you. So you can be working through these same exercises and replay this episode over and over again, share it with people you love. And that's not shameless promotion. That's to help you. <laughs> we don't do this podcast to make money. It's completely correct. either sponsor paid or out of my pocket. We do it to help. So if you have questions, reach out to John. You can check out the show notes, whether you're looking on our website, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. You know, if you're in Croatia, there's a player I don't know about. We're probably on it, <laughs> but you can just click the show notes and connect with John or just rewind a couple of minutes and believemeachieve.com. You said correct? Yep.
1: Believemeachieve.com is where you can go and you can check out all my other stuff from my own show, IFYL, to my national tech talk show, to my daily inspirations for your life show, to my science with John video. So everything I do, I have a super motivational that I do on Fridays with John. Everything I do, a lot of free content on there, but everything I do is all about improving my life and helping others improve the quality of their life so you're saying oh gee he's doing science so what the heck does science have to do with motivation well I'll tell you there was a an example and I want to prove something to somebody and it was all about truth so I made a piece of paper some cardboard and I had some grape juice and uh, I wrote this invisible message and I said you always should tell the truth and then I used the grape juice and I used it to reveal the hidden message. And I say, you know why this is so important because sooner or later, Mr. Or Mrs. Grave Juice will be at that party that you were invited to. And they were invited to, too, and they will expose you for the true liar that you actually are. So always tell the truth. It's not underrated.
0: Beautiful. What a way to end the show. Rewind that and listen to that one again. Be honest, be real, good, bad, or ugly. If you're transparent and real, you're going to go much farther in life. That's the message, right, John? That's the message. Man, well, thank you for being on the show. And to our listeners, don't just listen to great content. Like our slogan says, listen, do the good, repeat it each day. John talked about repeating this every day, multiple times a day for 30 days to start. That woman he gave the example of did it for six days. She didn't make it to seven. and She saw a massive change in her life. So listen, do, repeat, so you can have a great life in this world and attorney to come. So I'm David Pasqualone. This was John C. Morley. We wish you only the best. We'll see you in the next episode. Ciao. Thanks. Thanks, David. Yeah. Thank you, John, so much for being here, brother.
1: The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. markable people podcast listen do repeat for life